So, Father, thank you for getting us here safely, Lord. Um, pray that your word would help us understand who you are even deeper to a deeper level, Lord. And, uh, thank you, Lord, that you allow us to see you and hear you uh, in each other, Lord. Um, and thank you, Lord, that as we sang tonight, you wash us white as snow. Thank you for the sacrifice of your blood, Lord to cleanse us and to wash us. You say and you promise, Lord, that you put our sin as far as the east is from the west. And we trust in you, Lord, and we bank on that. And we look forward to your coming, Lord. So open yourself up to us, Lord, and help us to open ourselves up to you tonight. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I was looking back at the calendar. I can't believe it's been three months since I gave a message. It seems like it was only two weeks. <laughs> um, but we were in Genesis 9, and we'll be in Genesis 9 tonight. Uh, we'll be starting at verse 18. Um, I thank you for uh, bearing with me. I just really enjoy cross-referencing the word. And you might notice that's what I do when I share. <laughs> um, because what it does for me, I pray it does for you, that it just encourages us that God's word is faithful, it's true, it's simple, it's pure, and there, it isn't complicated. And he repeats a lot of things for us because as human beings, we maybe need to hear things more than once, so... Um, so the last time uh, we talked about the rainbow and God's covenant, uh, we looked at a number of different scriptures, um, uh, maybe in a little bit of an unorthodox fashion. I started in Revelation and then went back all the way here to Genesis. Um, but it's a wonderful thing. God's promises are true. He's faithful. He does love us. And... Uh, like I said, we can bank on that. So let's go to Genesis chapter 9. We'll start in verse 18. I believe that's where I left off. I think I'll read it all the way through, and then we'll look at some cross-references to the end of the chapter. So verse 18. Now the sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside, but Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. Verse 24. So Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. Then he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants he shall be to his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. 
verse 27, may God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. Verse 28, and Noah lived after the flood 350 years, so all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. So what I, (laughs) it's interesting, isn't it? The issues of life, they happen, and, you know, we live our daily lives, and we associate with so many different people. We associate with our church family, our biological family, our friends, our coworkers, and each one of those associations requires some sort of a relationship. And what we're looking at here uh, in the Word itself is first and foremost our relationship with our Father and our relationship with Jesus. And this is our instruction manual, how to develop that relationship and how to um, commune with Him. And that should be the first and foremost. As we know, God is the Father, Jesus is His Son, and then um, there's the husband and wife relationships, and Jesus, through the husband, is the head of that marriage relationship and the family relationship. We see a couple of different things here, just in these few passages. Um, I guess I can start asking questions that I asked uh, of you when I was reading this. I was asking my own questions. First, uh, why did Noah drink so much that he became drunk? It's an interesting thing because I'm looking at this going, my gosh, he was just saved out of all of the flood. Maybe it's been a few years, but um, he's been blessed beyond measure. His whole family was saved. They were given new land, a whole blank slate. And I wonder if he had some sort of a separation from God. Was his faith weakened? We don't know. It doesn't say. But um, suffice to say, we go through those very same things. I do. My faith wanes every once in a while. Things happen in life. Um, Pastor Rob was talking about some, uh, you know, when things happen this morning, you know, you sort of say, darn it, or do you? (laughs) Do you say, oh, God, help me? Or do you curse You know, maybe the car died. Do you curse the car? It's like, I think one of the things we can take away from this is we all suffer similar problems and we all face um, similar challenges. They might be different contexts and different situations, but um, there's never a day where maybe there isn't a challenge. And with our position in Jesus, when we have faith in him and we cast our cares on him, that puts us in a better position to deal with the challenges. So here, let's, uh, let's go over to Leviticus 18. That's a hard uh, spot in the Bible, but it talks a lot about Um, this condition of nakedness which we just read. So if you go to Leviticus chapter 18 we'll start at verse 1 
and we'll read to chapter 19. So, Leviticus 18, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. According to the doings of the land of Egypt, where you dwelt, you shall not do. And according to the doings of the land of Canaan, that's familiar, Ham is the father of Canaan, which is actually modern-day Israel. So, to the doings of the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you, you shall not do, nor shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. So, in essence, God is saying, if you keep my ways, you're in you'll be in way better shape than if you wander. So verse 6, None of you shall approach anyone who is near of kin to him to uncover his nakedness. I am the Lord. The nakedness of your father or the nakedness of your mother you shall not uncover. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife you shall not uncover. It is your father's nakedness. So what he's talking about here is relational. If there's um, a situation with one individual, it still uh, transfers to another individual. So any of this, obviously, he, he, the Lord was telling us not to do. So verse 8, The nakedness of your father's wife you shall not uncover. It is your father's nakedness. The nakedness of your sister, the daughter of your father, or the daughter of your mother, whether born at home or elsewhere, their nakedness you shall not uncover. The nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, their nakedness you shall not uncover, for theirs is your own nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife's daughter, begotten by your father, she is your sister, you shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall, verse 12, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister. She is near of kin to your father. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, for she is near of kin to your mother. And see, he's emphasized, the word here is emphasizing the relational positions to everybody. It's actually unified in a sense. The family is unified here. And one sin against one is a sin against all. So, Verse 14, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother. You shall not approach his wife. She is your aunt. And one translation, in other words, it does transcribe those. If you uncover the nakedness of your, your father's brother's wife, you've uncovered your father's nakedness. Uh, verse 15, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It is your brother's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter, nor shall you take her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness. They are near of kin to her. It is wickedness. Verse 18, nor shall you take a woman as a rival to her sister to uncover her nakedness while the other is alive. Also, you shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is in her customary impurity. Moreover, you shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her. 
and you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. As you might recall, um, in the pagan culture, uh, instead of aborting babies, they would have them and then they would sacrifice them to Molech in a fire. So verse 22, you shall not lie with a male as a woman. It, it is an abomination. Nor shall you mate with any animal to defile yourself with it, nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is perversion. Do not defile yourselves with any of these things, for by all these things the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you, for the land is defiled. Therefore, I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, either any of your own nation or any stranger who dwells among you. For all these abominations the men of the land have done who were before you, and thus the land is defiled." lest the land vomit you out also when you defile it, as it vomited out the nations that were before you. So verse 29, For whoever commits any of these abominations, the persons who commit them shall be cut off from among their people. Therefore you shall keep my ordinance, so that you do not commit any of these abominable customs which were committed before you, and that you do not defile yourselves before, or I'm sorry, yourselves by them. I am the Lord your God. So let's dive just a couple more verses on chapter 19 here. So chapter 19, verse 1 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Verse 3, Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. And verse 4, do not turn to idols, nor make for yourselves molded gods. I am the Lord your God. So the whole uh, premise of this is an encouragement for us to be holy. And as Shem uh, looked upon Noah's nakedness, and again, um, I don't find cross-references in here that actually explain why, but... Um, Let's suffice to say that later on, the Lord saw fit to give Moses these instructions um, for good reason. It just creates separation, division, strife, any kind of sin. And again, this is just uh, another aspect of the main theme of the one of the main themes of the Bible is to show us humans our sinful nature, but to recognize that there's a savior, Jesus, and he paid the price to take care of us and to save us and to wash us clean. Uh, let's see. Next, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter five. Those are the 10 commandments. Speaks of this in there. Um, Let's go chapter 5, we'll start in verse 11. So chapter 5, verse 11 of Deuteronomy. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. 
Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Verse 15, and remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. And to me, this I kind of visualize Noah being pulled out of a wicked and perverse um, culture and generation and saved all you know, alone, but not alone. He had the Lord on his side. And verse 16, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So in Leviticus, we saw it's not honorable to look upon the nakedness of your father or any of your relatives. And and that's what this is explaining here. So verse 17, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And verse 21, you shall not cover your neighbor's wife and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Verse 22, these words the Lord spoke to all your assembly in the mountain, from the midst of the fire, the cloud, and the thick darkness, with a loud voice. And he added, No more. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. So it's awesome that we have, again, instructions from the Lord. Um, his words are faithful and true. By his word, we can be blessed. By obeying, we can be blessed. But it's definitely a challenge in this world to uh, obey and do everything perfectly. And again, that's uh, why it's such a blessing as a believer to believe in Jesus and to know that his blood is washing us because inevitably we are going to stumble. There is no perfect one, not one. And that's also in the Word too. Um, so let's go to Psalm 25. We'll start getting to into some of the relational aspects of parents to children in some of these passages. So Psalm 25, let's start at verse 4. So Psalm 25, verse 4 says, Show me your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for they are from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness' sake, O Lord. And verse 8, good and upright is the Lord, therefore he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. And verse 10, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. So 
we will be shown mercy and truth and we will have mercy bestowed on us by the Lord as we follow him and his ways. Let's look at some Proverbs. If you would go to Proverbs 17, please. And we'll start at verse 17. So Proverbs 17, verse 17. And it says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Verse 18, a man devoid of understanding shakes hand in a pledge and becomes surety for his friend. He who loves transgression loves strife, and he who exalts his gate seeks destruction. He who has a deceitful heart finds no good, and he who has a perverse tongue falls into evil. So you see the word tongue here, and tongue... Uh, relates to speaking and we just read that Ham went to his brothers and spoke. I wonder what would have happened if Ham had not said anything, left Noah alone and just let the course of the day carry on. Another question that I had when I was reading that um, that I forgot to mention earlier was, wasn't there plenty of work to do on the farm? As sons of Noah, I, my thought is Shem, Ham, and Japheth would have had jobs, and they would have been helping their dad on the farm. There must have been plenty to do, but somehow he wound up in Noah's tent. So not quite sure about that, and I really don't want to speculate. Again, I haven't seen a cross-reference as to why, so I'm not going to speculate. But our minds can definitely wander and I'm sort of touching on scriptures that um, may like speak to it a little bit. Um, there are many different trains of thought here, but what my aim is here is to show myself that because I'm born in sin with a sin nature, that's it. We all get curious, we all do strange things, and we go places that often we're not supposed to go. And yet God has an out for us. Um, so verse 21 of Proverbs 17. He who begets a scoffer does so to his own sorrow, and the father of a fool has no joy. And that kind of reminded me of what's going on with Noah and Ham. Is Ham a fool or is Noah a fool? Are, are one or both of them um, reckless and careless in some fashion. And I, to me, that's what I got out of it is both of them were careless in a way. Uh, verse 22, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. And again, um, I'm relating this to the relationship between Ham and Noah. Is it merry and happy and trustworthy and close or for some reason was there separation there? It seems like there was some sort of separation there. And let's see, uh, 18, Proverbs 18, on the next page, um, verse 4. 
The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. It is not good to show partiality to the wicked or to overthrow the righteous in judgment. But here I circled six, seven, and eight. A fool's lips enter into contention and his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are the snare of his soul. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles and they go down into the inmost body. So again, I go back to wondering what would have happened if Ham had not said anything? And, and in not saying anything, would that have honored Noah and the whole curse and all of Noah's consternation and everything maybe wouldn't have happened? Now again, overarching, God knows all. God has a plan. It's perfect. He had a reason for this. He wanted, uh, through Ham, the the uh, land of Canaan to be birthed so that Israel could actually take place and reside in that land um, in the future. But it just kind of makes me ponder, you know, when I read things like this, what, what would have happened if, like, a total change in direction had been taken? And then uh, if you could turn just one more page over and go to Proverbs 19... And we'll start at verse 8. So Proverbs 19, verse 8. He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies shall perish. Luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a servant to rule over princes. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression. And I circled that um, because, again, I'm wondering if Ham had overlooked and just walked on by, and if Noah hadn't been reckless or careless and been drunk with wine, again, this situation would never have happened. Verse 12, the king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. And then verse 13, which kind of, it seems like it might fit to Ham. A foolish son is the ruin of his father, and the contentions of a wife are continual dripping. That was the second part of that, but um, it was the son part that, that kind of spoke to me. Let's go to, keep turning the page, we'll go to, Proverbs 20, verse 1, where it says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. And then verse 7, The righteous man walks in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. And then verse 11, Even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. And then 12, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. So that there, you know, when I was a kid, I used to watch my parents. And I think, you know, as children, we pick up a lot of stuff from observing our moms and dads. And this verse here, 
the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. Yes, he's created us to listen, to see, to observe things. And so if Noah was being careless with his responsibility as a father, he sort of opened the door for um, the situation to happen with him in, in a sense. So, um, you know, I'm not a dad myself, but I saw the challenges that my own grandfather and my father went through raising a family, and it's not easy. And that was decades ago. I can't imagine what it's like to raise children now. So it, it would seem that the more we as people, whether we're brothers, sisters, moms, dads, dive into the word, the more edification, encouragement, instruction we'll get, and we'll be able to um, maybe rise to the challenges of this life versus falling, which obviously um, Noah had had a little transgression there. So let's go to chapter 21, Proverbs 21, and we'll start at verse 11. When the scoffer is punished, the simple is made wise, but when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. So my assumption is not, Noah has been teaching his kids and he's been a good example. Um, but here in the word, we're shown a place where he wasn't such a great example to his kids. Uh, let's go to verse 16 of Proverbs 21, and that says, a man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. And then verse 23, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. It, it just, it shouldn't surprise me, but it does. The more I read this, um, the more I see like practical instructions for the everyday challenges of life. And how if we just sit and ponder this and the word and let it sink in and then um, put it into action in our daily lives, this right here, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Isn't that so true? Um, I recently didn't realize that I had said a word in a sentence to a sister here at church that was taken in a meaning that I didn't want it to be taken. And thankfully, the sister had a lot of grace and approached me later and encouraged me to be more careful with my words. And so this is a lesson, even to me, as we you know, look at this, um, just the simple thing of Ham telling his brothers about his dad their dad and maybe putting their dad in a poor light is is just a reminder to me that I personally need to be very careful and word choice and word selection is really important but thankfully this is the good word right and this has everything we need in it um, let's see let's go to Galatians 3 so now we'll go to the old or the New Testament so Galatians chapter 3. So 
So verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So that's what the Word is exerting us and what our Father, Jesus, our Savior, exhort us to do is to stand on faith, to stand on him. So verse 3, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore he supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed in God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the correlation for me between um, Genesis 9 and this is about the cursing, and that Noah um, cursed Ham, um, whether he was to do that or not, I don't know. That's between him and God. But I think out of his anger or and his astonishment of what had happened when he awoke to understand in as much as what had happened, um, I just thank God that Jesus isn't cursing us. He wants to bless us and he wants to love us and he's pulled us out of uh, the muck that we tend to get ourselves in. And through faith, that's the position that we have. We're lifted higher and pulled out of the muck because of Jesus. Um, so let's skip down to 26, chapter 3, verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We'll go into chapter 4 a little bit here. Chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, 
but he is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage of the the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father, Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So that's it. It speaks of faith and um, being adopted and being saved out of the law, all by Jesus. And that's a position that I want to be in, under Jesus, in Jesus. And I pray everyone here also wants that too. Let's go to Ephesians. Trying to read my note here. Ephesians 2. Verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. And again, um, the correlation for me here is is that there were uh, transgressions and uh, behaviors in Noah's family now being exhibited there that um, needed to be covered. And as just mentioned before, Christ has covered all of this. So he is making us alive. So verse 2, in which you once walked. So the trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. There's a couple times where it says, with Christ, in Christ. So that's the whole basis, the foundation of our faith and our position and justification so verse 8 for by grace you have been saved through faith and not and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest anyone should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them so one of the things I think we'll get to here is love and being a father Um, requires you to be a loving person to your kids, but loving and firm and a leader and a guide. And I, again, I don't want to overstep my bounds. I I can only surmise that maybe there was a little problem um, and maybe there wasn't as much attention given to Ham as there were to Shem and Japheth. Uh, It's possible, Ham being the middle child, Statistically, I've 
read that the middle children often don't get as much attention as the eldest or the youngest. Who knows? We can surmise a lot, but um, maybe when we get to heaven, we can ask Jesus and have him explain this. <laughs> so let's go to Ephesians 4. Uh, we'll start at verse 17. And this is an encouragement to me to place my faith and, faith and trust in Jesus. Let him wash me and convert me and make me a new person so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart and my actions outwardly to my church family, my family, my coworkers is as holy as my obedience lets it be. So let's read here. So chapter 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their minds, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Christ, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. Let's keep going a little bit. So verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And that right there, even though the word neighbor is used there, members of one another, if you recall in Leviticus, something done to one transferred to another in the family unit. So are, is our neighbor our family? Sure. Is our family a neighbor? Sure. Are they friends? Maybe. <laughs> we can choose our friends, but we can't choose our family, is the old saying. So um, within the family dynamic, or within the family unit, there are a lot of different dynamics with different relationships because each one of us has our own personalities. And uh, the word also says, dwell with one another according to knowledge. <clears throat> and that only comes with relationship and spending time with each other, right? So the more time we spend together, even as a church family, as we spend time with one another, we get to know one another. And we know, you know, what our likes, dislikes are, and we know what we're struggling with, we know successes, but that all comes over time and by spending time with each other. So, okay, verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Verse 29, this is, again, like the tongue analogy. Verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 
Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And let's flip over to Ephesians 6. Or I'm sorry, wait a minute. (laughs) Ephesians 5, verse 15. where it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine. This is That's the cross reference that I pulled out. So do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And to me, that speaks like, it speaks of unity and how to have harmony and unity. It's all right here to encourage one another, to praise the Lord when we're in each other's presence, especially here in church, right? Um, we want to be encouraging to one another, but with our eyes looking up and our focus on the heavenly places. Uh, Now let's go to 6. Ephesians 6, chapter 1. So here's a cross-reference about children and parents. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. So, again, I just wonder, what was the real relationship between Ham and Noah? Was it strained in some way? We can only surmise. But... First and foremost, um, it's an encouragement to us. The words cross-referencing just seem to indicate that, you know, you put in what you get out, and that's exactly what we do when we read this word, the Bible. We're getting um, a glimpse of who our Lord is and what he cares about, and the more we put in, the more that that understanding develops and the same goes with relationships all the way family friends co-workers the time you spend not talking but observing and listening like we read before the hear the eyes and the ears the seeing and the hearing that's important okay let's go to James chapter 1 So hopefully this is kind of an encouragement to all of us just to um, recognize that, yeah, we're we're not perfect, um, but again, we have our Lord and we can call upon him and ask for wisdom and guidance in situations, and we should be asking him moment by moment, right? Like the song says, Lord, I I need thee every hour, Lord, I need thee. 
for me, it's every minute. Because <laughs> um, I stick my mouth or my tongue or my foot in my mouth and my tongue gets me in trouble sometimes. And um, I don't want that. You know, I would want to be the best light I can be. And how do I do that? I have to pray and ask the Lord to help me understand who he wants me to be. And that's all individual. I'm different than each one of you here. And it's up to us to develop and cultivate that relationship with our Father and our Savior and ask them for the Spirit to fill us and to renew us and refresh us and give us wisdom. Um, I, again, I go back to the unsaved days. I don't even know how I did it. <laughs> I didn't have, I had a crutch. It wasn't Jesus. And I'm glad Jesus is my crutch now. I wouldn't want it any other way. So James um, 1, verse 19. Sorry, it didn't. So verse 19, let's start. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, this, the Bible, the word, and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. In other words, we take the scriptures to heart, take the commandments to heart, take these examples of all the characters in the Bible. And again, yes, we're going to slip up, but know that, you know, in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, David, probably prime suspect, A number one of multiple transgressions, is still on God's top ten list, right? So whatever we do, if we confess and ask the Lord for forgiveness and ask him to help give us wisdom to start ourselves on the right path again, he's faithful, he, he will do it. So, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world." And we're not supposed to add or take away from the Bible, but I would like to add and honor your father and mother. <laughs> They're important. And grandparents, too. Um, that was uh, a blessing to me to have a good relationship and a lot of time spent with my grandparents. And, you know, they, they helped a lot. And I bet each one of us probably has someone in our lives or a couple of people in our lives that have helped us a lot. And we should respect that as a gift. Uh, 
let's go to James 3. Um, we'll read 1 through 18. So James 3, verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. And here's what I like about that this next uh, that passage is because for we all stumble in many things if anyone does not stumble in word he is a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body and again it's like we've been talking about tongue and our reactions to things and are we doers of the word are we actually you know honoring and glorifying god in what we do and say so these are questions i'm asking myself so, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn our whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And I recalled the old saying, where there's smoke, there's fire. So even the smallest little spark can set a course and bring consequences beyond our understanding. And it talks about that a little bit more here. Verse six, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, the tongue, is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. And if you recall, Noah did just that. He cursed Ham, but he blessed the Lord and asked for a blessing over his other two sons. So that was interesting to me. Verse 10, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are here. And that's kind of what I wondered about Ham. Was he trying to get like into a position maybe within the family ranking by tattling on his dad to his brothers? Like, hey, look at dad. And was he smirking and laughing behind his back? Don't know, but this kind of struck me as a possible correlation here. And verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, 
full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Verse 18, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And wouldn't you say in your own experiences in life, in this world, in this culture, there are so many people that seem to be jacked up over a lot of different things. And the f it's, it's almost our best tactic first to try to ex extend an olive branch to people, to find some common ground to be able to talk then it seems like things can diffuse. But if we start off with our opinions before we even know a person and why they might be taking a stand as they are, where are we, where are we then? We're, we're probably gonna be butting heads versus are we extending an olive branch and trying to find out why this person might be so adamant about taking a position on something. I've learned a lot in the last couple of years. It seems like our culture has changed a lot, um, in some ways not for the good, but we know that based on the word that the end is coming and darker days are coming. So we're called to be light and we're called to be salt and we can, we can share the light um, and, and be salty by first building a relationship with people. And that's what I, this portion of study that I did for this message is sort of challenging me about what are my opinions and thoughts of how I should be reaching out to people and asking people more about themselves to build a rapport first rather than just spewing out stuff that maybe doesn't help. Uh, especially if it's not biblical or of God's word. Um, so that is almost wrapping it up. <laughs> um, let's go to Second Peter. I wanted to leave us with some encouraging words. And at the end of Second Peter chapter three, uh, it's to me a good encouragement. Um, like we sung tonight, we know the day is coming and we know he's on his way. Uh, we know he has plans. We know his promises are sure. That's kind of what Second Peter talks about. Um, that's a broad overview, but at the end he wants to encourage um, his readers to be um, standing firm on their faith. And for sure, that's, I know I need that. I would guess all of us do, <laughs> to be encouraged and, and to recognize that God is faithful. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And he forgets our sins from east as it is from west when we believe in the blood cleansing us. So um, let's look at Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8, and we'll go to the end and then we'll finish. So, but, that's a good word, gets our attention. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, 
that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But, there it is again, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And verse 14, the subtitle in this New King Version says, Be steadfast. So verse 14, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot, and blameless, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. So praise God for his word, and praise God that we know he wants only good for us, and he sets out a great plan for us. May we be willing to open up to him and to submit to him and to walk closer to him every day. So let's pray and close out. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for all the accounts, Lord, of people just like us who have trouble managing relationships, dealing with situations, step over boundaries, Lord, that you've made. We do thank you, Lord, that your word establishes boundaries for us, gives us guidelines, Lord, as to how to conduct ourselves. Help us, Lord, to grow in our relationship with you. Help us to spend more time in your word, which will help us get closer to you, Lord. Please, Lord, strengthen our faith. Fill us with your spirit. Breathe new life into us, Lord. Let us put on the new clothes, the robe that you have prepared for us, white and clean, Lord. And as we walk each day, also help us to put on all the armor, Lord, that you've provided for us here in your word, Lord. We need that. We need you every day, every hour, every minute, Lord. 
Thank you for my friends for coming out tonight. Thank you for those listening online. Pray, Lord, that no words that I said stumbled anyone, that my opinions, if they came out, are erased, Lord, and only your truth and your facts come out, and that they sink deep into our hearts, Lord, that we only trust you, that we do test things, Lord, as we're given messages and information each day. Help us, Lord, to separate the wheat from the chaff, as your word says, and to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves, to be your light and salt, Lord. Help us to rely on you for every single thing that we need. We know you're providing for us. You got us here today, Lord, and you granted us this time. And we know the day is coming, Lord. If it would be today, wonderful. If not, just help us abide in you and help us to redeem the time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.